Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello. This is Hey Dude Shoes. This is an ad. But not for your ears. For your feet. Are they listening? Good. Hey Dude Shoes are the squishiest, airiest, lightest go-to shoes you'll ever have the pleasure of introducing your toes to. So light, a butterfly could steal them. So soft, kittens seethe with jealousy. So cushy, your hands will curse your feet for all the love and attention. Toes, you've hit the jackpot of comfy. Hey Dude, good to go to. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino online. I was only playing for fun, so winning was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's favorite free online social casino. You too could have the chance to win life-changing cash prizes. Absolutely anybody could be like Mary. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumboCasino.com and play for free now. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice of the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of the winner. This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp Online Therapy. People don't always realize that physical symptoms like headaches, teeth grinding, and even digestive issues can be indicators of stress. And let's not forget about doom scrolling, sleeping too little, sleeping too much, undereating, and overeating. Okay, so the copy here says to talk about my experience with stress. Oh boy, <laughs> do you have an hour? Uh, where do I begin? <laughs> Work, bills, life, family. I could go podcast. on for a very, yeah, <laughs> podcast, a very long time. And I actually do though in therapy, which is so helpful for me so I can manage, deal, and get through it. Stress shows up in all kinds of ways and in a world that's telling you to do more, sleep less, and grind all the time. Here's your reminder to take care of yourself, do less, and maybe try some therapy. BetterHelp is customized online therapy that offers video, phone, and even live chat sessions with your therapist, so you don't have to see anyone on camera if you don't want to. It's more affordable than in-person therapy. Give it a try and see if online therapy can help lower your stress. This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp and Fruit Loop Serial Killers of Color. Listeners get 10% off their first month at BetterHelp.com fruit. That's B-E-T-T-E-R-H-E-L-P dot com slash fruit. All right, guys, it's it's time for me to come clean. It's okay. it's time for me to tell the truth. Right. It's time for me to spill the beans. Okay. It's time to fess up. <laughs> it's time to keep it a buck. Keep it 100. Are you going to get to it? Oh, uh, yes, yes, yes. So sometimes after dark, I sneak away and play Best Fiends. Others may wonder about my mysterious disappearances. They say, who does she think she is? David Blaine? David Copperfield? I say none of the above. In fact, I'm having so much fun playing Best Fiends. Ever heard? of it? Why, yes, I have. (laughs) I love Best Fiends. I love collecting the little monsters when you play so I can level up my fiends. Also, I love going in for the super long matches to free up the board and beat levels. I am happy to report that I am on level 440. That's amazing. (laughs) Okay, friend, I see you flexing over there. (laughs) Now, Best Fiends is a free-to-download mobile puzzle game with thousands of exciting new levels for new adventures and challenges every time you play. I am on 
on level 304. Beth, tell them about the offline play. Yes, of course. (laughs) There is offline play, so you don't even need Wi-Fi or the internet. Oh, good. So download your new favorite getaway, Best Fiends, for free today on the App Store or Google Play. You'll even get $5 worth of in-game rewards when you reach level 5. That's friends without the R, Best Fiends. This podcast contains adult themes and language, and some of the things that we discuss may be disturbing to some listeners. In this podcast, we discuss sexual assault, torture, race, and murder. Listener discretion is advised. Everybody and welcome to Fruit Loop Season Two, Episode Twelve. We still out here. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening. <laughs> Fruit Loops is a podcast about true crimes committed by people of color and their victims that we do not hear or know much about. Now, contrary to popular belief, not all serial killers are white dudes. Crazy. There are many well-documented <laughs> cases of serial killers of color, and Fruit Loops is a podcast all about them. We will take deep dives into the fascinating lives and crimes committed by people of color and their victims that the media and entertainment commonly leave out because the news is racist, allegedly. (laughs) (laughs) And we are Wendy and Beth. She's Wendy. I'm Beth. We're not journalists, investigators, or psychologists. Just a couple of gals interested in true crime. Also, Mm -hmm. the opinions expressed in this podcast are just that, our opinions. Please send any questions or comments to fruitloopspod at gmail.com or leave us a voicemail at 602-935-6294. And we may feature it on a future episode. Also, our website is fruitloopspod.com, our Facebook page is Fruit Loops Pod, and our discussion group is Fruit Loops Pod Discussion on Facebook. We are also on Twitter and Instagram at Fruit Loops Pod. That's right. Um, I wanted to uh, add a little side note. Some people have called our phone number, our 602-935-6294 phone number, and I don't know if they're expecting us to answer, but they don't leave a voicemail. So when you call, nobody Hmm. is going to answer. I'm sorry. But leave us a voicemail. We want to hear from you. Yeah, (laughs) it's just for voicemails. Yeah. So, And I always get sad when they don't leave a voicemail. So if you want to support the show, you can send us a donation on the Cash app, which you can download to your phone, or you can find online at cash.me slash dollar sign Fruit Loops Pod, or you can become a monthly patron through our Podbean patron page. Or if you can't help monetarily, you can always give us a five-star review on iTunes or anywhere else you get your podcast from. And be sure to share our podcast with your friends. So yes, uh, who are we talking about today, Beth? Today we are talking about La Madrina 
the Black Widow, mm. the cocaine godmother, and the queen of narco-trafficking. She was a mm. Colombian drug lord of the Medellin cartel and a pioneer in the Miami-based cocaine drug trade and underworld during the 1950s all the way into the early 2000s. Is that true, 1950s? Um, well, that's when she started her, her crime stuff. Um, okay. I mean, crime stuff, like sex work and stuff. So, right, right, right. That's, that's how I took that. Okay. So it has been estimated that she was responsible for more than 200 murders while transporting cocaine from Columbia to New York, Miami, and Southern California. She was shot and killed on September 3rd, 2012 at the age of 69. And her name was Griselda Blanco. Mm. I just want to call this Latinx woman a pioneer. Uh, smuggling cocaine in your bra. She killed three of her husbands and invented an assassination via motorcycle. Get this woman a statue already. <laughs> <laughs> so how you doing? I'm doing much better. I finally went in to see the doctor because I wasn't okay. getting better. And mm. I got prescribed some antibiotics uh -huh. and I'm on the mend. Awesome. I am glad that you're finally doing better because I was concerned. You were sick for so long. I know. And it probably didn't help that you, yeah, you had to go to work and stuff. You're covering for everybody. And yeah, that you pissed really. Me off. <laughs> I know, I know. It pissed me off too. You really needed to be resting at home yep. in your bed on medication, watching true crime documentaries the entire time. I know. But, uh, so I'm, I know. I'm glad you are on the mend. So hallelujah. Yeah, it was the antibiotics that uh, finally did it. And, and I, I slept for like 11 hours Friday night. <laughs> Awesome. Awesome. That's so good <laughs> yeah. to hear. Things yeah. are looking up already. Hey, thanks, yep. 2019. Yep. Um, well, <laughs> I <laughs> I am also good. Happy Martin Luther King Jr. Day to everybody out there listening. Hey, Pop Airhorn. So um, my uh, neighbors across the street, we partied with them last night. They are from Long Beach. I love love partying with these they're mexican um and uh they are just so much fun it was their son's ninth birthday <laughs> however mm -hmm. uh the child's birthday party quickly turned into a turn up for grown-ups uh and uh people were like can you teach us how to twerk <laughs> and i was like uh yeah i guess so so uh i was giving twerking lessons to the moms and the grandmas who were in attendance to the party and i'm not the best twerker like if there's if there's a a gold like a, a twerking Olympics, I'm not winning the gold medal or bronze or silver, <laughs> but I, I do gets down if you know what I'm saying. So uh, when I when you twerk, you typically put your hands on your knees. Welcome to Culture Corner with Beth. Beth <laughs> when you twer twerk, you put your hands on your knees and you pop your butt out uh, in a rhythmic fashion. Um, but I turned it up a notch, and so I was like twerking on the ground doing twerk handstands <laughs> and uh my my back hurts a little bit today but we had a we had a good old time i can only imagine <laughs> at the age i am that sounds really painful <laughs> yeah i had to get a little bed gay on the back area but we good we good <laughs> i have some mexican neighbors too oh yeah yeah we were actually talking about uh 
kids parties and uh, mm. Mexican kids parties always turn into uh, grown up parties. It's crazy. That go until all hours of the night because they're they're very family oriented. They are. Yeah. They just yeah. go and go like <laughs> uh, the stamina. The party stamina I know. these people oh, have. <laughs> I, I, I was so I glad. I couldn't do it. I could not do I, it. <laughs> oh, my gosh. There's no way I could stay up all. These people are up all night. It. I just, yep. I, there's no way I could do that anymore. <laughs> so no, they know how to no. good time. And so it's nice when they include us in their celebrations. Amen. Yeah, so, very nice. Yeah. Yeah. Sounds like a lot of fun. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, now we're going to get into our mailbag and read some listener letters. The angels, they're here. <laughs> The angels delivered our mail and they said, uh, we got the sweetest messages uh, through our website from Allison. She's one of our listeners. And if you ever visit our website, there is a a way for you to contact us. Just check the tab. (laughs) Um, And she hit us up two times, two times, fool. She said, hi there. I'm late to the Fruit Loose party, but having completed episode one, I am hooked. I'm not usually fond of podcasts with a ton of banter, but you both are so hilarious and awesome and snarky that it only makes the content better. Uh, <laughs> you had me at the devil made me do it. I don't remember when we said that, but <laughs> I vaguely remember it was at the beginning. <laughs> the baseline, yeah, the baseline killer episode. But she adds, please keep up the good work. Uh, Uh, smiley face emoji then uh, she sent us another note like immediately after (laughs) then she listened to more and sent us another note she said and then I began episode two I couldn't agree more with your assessment of the royal wedding thank you girl (laughs) she said I'm a white girl who was raised Anglican but even I had to laugh at how nobody knew how to deal with the Baptist minister or the gospel (laughs) choir. (laughs) Uh, So keep up the good work, she says. I'll try not to spam your inbox too much whenever you make me laugh. Hip-hop air horns for Allison. Amen. Yeah, and feel free to hit up the mailbox. It's okay. Hit us up we anytime, like it. girl. Yeah. We, <laughs> yeah, we love it. We love it, and we love you, and thank you so much for listening. <laughs> yeah, and I just wanted to mention that we have a new patron, Elsa. Hey, do you want to build a snowman? No, girl, just hit me up with that fucking hip-hop air horn. <laughs> thank you so much, Elsa. We love you, too. Mm. So uh, now we're going to take a quick dance break. (laughs) Just kidding. I mean, twerk break. (laughs) Just kidding. I mean, (laughs) ad break. And then we'll get into the story when we come back. (laughs) We would like to invite any listeners who have a business to advertise to do it with us. For more information, please email us at fruitloopspod at gmail.com or check out our website at fruitloopspod.com. So. Who are we talking about today, Beth? Today we're talking about Griselda Blanco, the cocaine godmother. Mm, All right. Well, now we're going to get into my favorite part of the story, the stats. So Griselda Blanco has some pretty fire ass AKAs. So let me just let me just start there. Uh, She was AKA La Madrina. That's godmother in Spanish, AKA the cocaine cowgirl. AKA La Gordita, AKA La Compasiona, the compassionate one, AKA The Black Widow or La Viuda Negra, 
aka la dama de la, de la mafia and according to her get ready for this the baddest bitch to ever take a breath of life gun shot <laughs> <laughs> she also had four sons three dead husbands in her wake and colombian officials suspect that she was involved in at least 250 murders in their country and U.S. detectives believe she is responsible for at least 40 deaths in the United States. At least, yeah. At, at least. So she was a pretty deadly lady. <laughs> she was. So now we are getting into her early life. Take it away, Beth. Griselda Blanco was born on February 15th, 1943 in Cartagena, Colombia. Cartagena is a coastal city on Colombia's Caribbean coast, it has colonial architecture, museums, and beaches. Uh, she had three younger siblings that we don't know anything about. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that sucks. I know nothing I about know them. <laughs> no, no, one bit. They, they must not have been involved in her crimes. But uh, yeah. Cartagena. I love saying that word. And you hear it a lot in um, like songs, like Afro-Caribbean songs and in Latin uh-huh. music. And I just love the way it's like, Cartagena. <laughs> so I really like the way it sounds. She and her mother, Ana Lucia Restrepo, moved to Medellin when she was three years old. It is home of the Medellin drug cartel. And at one point, it was one of the most dangerous cities in the world. I think at, at the, in the 80s and 90s, um, there was an advisory to American citizens not to travel there. Yeah, it was pretty bad. Yeah. Currently, it's modern, safe, and innovative. Griselda's mother is said to have been a sex worker in her neighborhood, which was called Barrio Trinidad because poor migrants from the Caribbean had migrated there. The barrio was very poor and had many brothels. The government declared it as an anarchy zone in the 1940s. Uh, sex workers, uh, LGBTQ people, our, our sources said homosexuals and thieves, could do their thing there and the cops would just leave them alone. It turned into a red light district and a lot of people went there to party. Griselda's father's name was Luis Carlos Blanco, although some report that he was actually her stepfather and her biological father is unknown. Some other reports say that her father was actually a man named Fernando Blanco. Um, But in any case, Luis Blanco worked as a taxi driver, but he was not present in Griselda's life. At the time, Medellin was a hotbed for organized crime. So Medellin is located on the country's north coast, and the area around Medellin was colonized. Uh, some sources said founded by, but to that I say fuck you, by a Spanish <laughs> a Spanish dude. And uh, the Spaniards uh, would encourage the indigenous people to chew the coca leaves to maintain their obedience and continue more colonizing. Griselda grew up during La Valencia, the violence. Uh, La Valencia was a 10-year civil war in Colombia from 1948 to 1958 between the Colombian Conservative Party and the Colombian Liberal Party, fought mainly in the countryside. Kids like Griselda encountered dead bodies on a daily basis and would sometimes bury the bodies for fun or just to pass the time. Hey, uh, Griselda, what are you doing today after school? Oh, you want to go bury some bodies with me? Okay. There's right, some bodies over there. Let's do it. 
Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, obviously that's horrifying. horrifying. It's, yeah, it's horrible. And, tra- and, and, and traumatic. we're just laughing and, because yeah, we're it's just so la- horrible. It's, that's, yeah. <laughs> we're laughing because um, it's horrible. <laughs> yeah, there's, we don't have any choice. What are we going to do? Break down and cry on this podcast? No. Not till the end anyway. Uh, it didn't take long for Blanco to begin living a life of crime. Blanco's former lover, uh, Charles Cosby, recounted that um, he told her that when she was 11, Blanco allegedly kidnapped, attempted to ransom, and eventually shot a child from an upscale flatland neighborhood near her own neighborhood. She allegedly shot him between the eyes. We will find that she embellished the truth and let rumors grow to maintain her mystery and people's fear of her and power. She was also alleged to have been a pickpocket and a sex worker. Griselda's mother, Ana Lucia Restrepo, was an abusive alcoholic. At some point during her childhood, Griselda left her mother's home and turned to the streets. She either ran away, some sources said, to flee sexual abuse from her mother's boyfriend, or she was kicked out. In any case, she turned to petty crime to survive, and it's alleged that she also turned to sex work, although Griselda has always denied this. Right. Um, Also, I heard in one source that her mom pimped her out uh, before she ran away. So um, Yeah, I heard that too. There's that. Griselda's first husband, Carlos Trujillo, was nicknamed Pestañas, which is Spanish for eyelashes because it was a prominent feature of his, I guess. Um, he was a Gaya, Gallafardo of the 1950s. And it's, it's Mexican slang, actually, for cool guy. Although this is Colombia, so I don't know how I don't know how the slang traveled. But um, don't quote that could be in an, uh, just something I heard in one source. Um, she married him when uh, she was 15 or 16. And they had three children together. Dixon, Uber. Now this drove me fucking nuts. It's because <laughs> I, again, I get all my sources from documentaries, podcasts. I, I like to listen and watch. And then I go to the text to uh, get more information. And all of these damn white people were pronouncing it like the car service. <laughs> it's not Uber. It's Uber, <laughs> cocksuckers. <laughs> And anyway, uh, her other son was named Osvaldo. Um, She observed and learned from her husband's business in fabricating immigration documents and smuggling people into the United States. Trujillo introduced Griselda to her future husband, Alberto Bravo. Bravo was a drug trafficker for an infamous drug cartel in Medellin. After Trujillo passed away, reportedly from cirrhosis, Griselda married Bravo in 1971 and was introduced to the cocaine business. There are rumors that Griselda had her first husband, Trujillo, killed after a business dispute, uh, but nothing was ever proven, and it may be one of Griselda's embellishments. Let's see here. In the early 1970s, Bravo and Blanco moved to Queens, New York. The couple allegedly began making millions of dollars thanks to their connections in Colombia. They were putting their Cuban competitors out of business and controlled a large share of the market. They were building an empire together. Blanco invented creative ways to smuggle cocaine into the U.S. 
Griselda was a first in many ways, and she's considered a pioneer in the drug trade industry. And uh, that's said by people in the drug trade that she was a pioneer. Yeah. Uh, She was the first female drug lord and was an innovator in terms of how she moved product into the U.S. She realized women were less likely to be popped by customs and law enforcement than young or middle-aged men. So she had young women fly on airplanes with cocaine hidden in secret compartments in their bras, girdles, and shoes, which Blanco had custom designed. So she would use uh, a a garment business uh, to create the custom designed lingerie that had special secret pockets to hide drugs. Drugs. Uh, she she would also have <laughs> doing drugs. Uh, she she would also have a local shoemaker. This is dope. Hollow out the platform shoes of her Coke mules, and uh, most of her organization's mules were were women. Now, I'm sure most of you listening know, but a, a drug mule is somebody who moves the drugs using their person to wherever it needs to be sold from the source. Um, one source noted that seven pounds of a cocaine were found in a Miami airport bathroom hidden in lingerie that had 50 to 60 secret compartments in it. That's a lot of cocaine. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Put, put seven pound weights on your feet and see how easy it is to move around. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Also Griselda's young sons would sometimes help by lining their suitcases with Coke when they traveled with her. Griselda knew that children would also not be suspected. She's not wrong. Mm -mm. Mm -mm. With business booming, bravo, turn to Colombia to restructure the export end. And by restructure the export end of their business, I think that also means fuck a lot of hot young Colombian chicks. <laughs> Meanwhile, <laughs> Blanco expanded their empire in New York and she was also reportedly smoking lots of bazooka, which is, uh, I guess, slang for unrefined cocaine, which Maybe made her a little bit paranoid. Maybe. Everybody knows if you want to make it to the top of the drug game, you can't be getting high on your own supply. That's drugs 101. <laughs> but it was the 70s, Wendy. So, oh, <laughs> yeah. So maybe people didn't know any better. Didn't know okay. drugs 101 yet. <laughs> uh, Nobody had oh, written that book written. yet. That's right. That's right. Okay. Okay. I take all that back. <laughs> Blanco and Bravo were the first Colombians to have a drug empire in New York. They outsold the Italian mafia. They were making $10 million a week in the height of their success in the 1960s. In the early 1970s, Griselda was buying up a lot of real estate, including cocaine processing plants. They were moving 1.5 tons of cocaine into the U.S. a month. Wow. That's, That's a lot. It's a lot of cocaine. <laughs> um, <laughs> Alberto and Griselda developed a distributing system that included stash houses in various boroughs in New York. They had connections with some of the consulates in South America. And uh, she also had a full-time document forger on her staff. She was laundering money through U.S. banks in New York and in New Jersey and through Colombian businesses. In 1973, the DEA opened their first major drug smuggling case. Uh, to investigate Griselda. They called it Operation Banshee. 
And I read it was so named because there were so many women involved. And it was the 70s, so everyone was sexist. (laughs) (laughs) All right. (laughs) I should have called it Operation Siren. (laughs) Ooh. Or Operation Bad Bitch. Ooh, bad bitch. (laughs) (laughs) The officers had a hard time believing a female could be a drug boss. Uh, but Griselda was moving $2 million of Coke and marijuana a year. Yeah. So take note, bad bitches is here. Uh, in 1975, everything fell apart as, uh, the great African-American scholar, uh, Sean P. Diddy Combs has said, mo money, mo problems. Uh, Blanco and Bravo were busted in the joint NYPD slash DEA sting called Operation Banshee, which actually at the time was the largest operation of its kind. In 1975, Griselda was indicted with uh, 15 other people, including Alberto Bravo, for conspiring to manufacture, uh, import, and distribute cocaine. But before she could be arrested, Blanco escaped to Colombia. In Colombia, she shut down the airport and wouldn't let anyone or anything leave without her authorization. This kept her rivals from getting their product in or out of Medellin. Griselda's business, Grandiosity and Paranoia, grew. She began calling herself La Madrina, the godmother. And it makes sense. I mean, she she was employing a lot of people. Um, she was making a lot of money in her yeah, mind. She had a lot of care of a lot of people. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, you know, uh. I want to get to the point in my life someday where I can give myself a cool nickname. Uh, I don't know what I don't know what it'll be, but that's when you know you made it. Sign of success when you give yourself your own nickname. Uh, soon afterwards, she allegedly killed Bravo in a shootout over missing millions. Bro, this was this is wild. One version of the story is that. Uh, he wanted to talk to her about how this La Madrina stuff was getting to her head. And she wanted to talk to him about how he fucked her over, like robbed money from her and was also cheating on her. So uh, what's next? So, yeah. This is wild. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> According to the legend, Blanco pulled a pistol hidden inside her ostrich skin boots and shot Ooh. Bravo in the face just mm-hmm. as he fired a round from his Uzi into her stomach. Bravo's six henchmen were also killed in the shootout. Upon the death of her second husband, she earned a new title, the Black Widow. More importantly Mm. to Blanco, she was now in full control of her drug empire. So she got shot with Bravo's Uzi. Then Mm -hmm. she grabbed his Uzi and she shot the six henchmen. (laughs) Yeah. And she... (laughs) she, I mean, the bad acidness of this is just incredible <laughs> to me. I just, oh, it's so juicy. <laughs> did you watch the Drunk History episode? I did. About her? Before we recorded. Yes, yeah. it was so funny. <laughs> but it was so, like. Dramatic. It was It was so dramatic. It's, it's a really good story. Like, I'm not surprised there's so much content out there about her because this is so fucking dope. <laughs> it is a really good story, um, yeah. Yeah. So legend also has it at a party. She shot four dudes that she thought betrayed her, then had their bodies hauled to the dump. Another story I heard, she attacked a man with a machete uh, and she was going to cut him up to kill him. But he begged her not to shoot or he begged her not to cut her up with the machete. He wanted her to shoot her instead. And she did. And she would later tell the story so people knew how 
quote unquote compassionate she was. And um, <laughs> after that, she gave herself the nickname La Compasionante, the compassionate one. <laughs> of course. So uh, compassionate. So, <laughs> so, yes, indeed. Thank you Please for your mercy. Please don't torture me. Please kill me. Oh, okay, I guess. <laughs> Just, I guess I'll yeah. be compassionate. All right. I'm yeah. Um, yeah. How about I kill anybody? <laughs> So now we're going to get into the setting. Take it away, Beth. The setting is Miami, Florida in the 1970s and 80s. Before this time, Miami was known as a sort of sleepy retirement community. There were lots of old people, very few police, a lot less tall buildings, lots of art deco, and also lots of pot. (laughs) Lots (laughs) of the pot. (laughs) The the, the weed. The the weed. weed. (laughs) That scares white men in government so much. (laughs) Coke was a rare exotic drug until Griselda Blanco came on the scene. So by the late 1970s, Colombia was producing three-fourths of the world's cocaine supply. And by 1980, it was estimated that 70% of all cocaine entered through South Florida, bringing about 20 billion dollars a year that's a lot of money (laughs) yeah and 70 percent of all cocaine that's crazy that is insane and from 1979 to 1984 south florida turned into a war zone this drug-related violence became known as the cocaine cowboy wars miami became the murder capital of the united states the drug wars contributed to the rise of the murder rates In 1979, there were 349 murders. In 1980, there were 573 murders. And in 1981, there were 621 murders. Way to go, Grizz. Uh, (laughs) Not only was Blanco involved in the trade, but she played a huge role in the cocaine cowboy wars that plagued Miami. Between the years of 1981 and 1983, the homicide rate in Miami jumped to record levels. Um, So now we're going to bounce into the timeline. So what do you got for us, Beth? Blanco moved to Miami with a mission. Business was booming, and she knew she needed to take part in it. Seeking to eliminate her competition, she displayed a brazen ruthlessness that plunged the city into a period of violence that became known as the Cocaine Cowboy Wars. Woo! Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, it's hot in Miami. <laughs> In 1978, Griselda married husband number three, Dario Sepulveda, and gave birth to her fourth son, Michael Corleone Sepulveda. (laughs) Apparently, she really loved the movie The Godfather. In Miami, (laughs) she lived lavishly. She was living lavish, lavish, just like Beyonce says. By the way, have you ever been to Miami? Uh, I don't know. Maybe. (laughs) Oh, okay. Cut I've been to out. Florida. <laughs> I, I was trying to. I was trying to start a banter. Oh, <laughs> you sorry. Know, just cut this out. That's okay. <laughs> Edit this out. <laughs> it actually it did kind of um, freak me out um, because I lived in West Palm Beach in seventy eight. Oh, that's right. Yeah, <gasps> in seventy eight. Oh my. So. Oh, wow. uh, yeah, I saw West Palm Beach mentioned a few times, and Palm Beach mentioned in some of the stories. Mm-hmm. I was like, holy shit. Uh, but we no. left. Uh, we were only there for six months, and we left um, 
I think it was 78. Not because of the crime. No, no. But okay. But it kind of freaked me out. It's like, oh my God. We were <laughs> we were almost there when it was insane like that. So yeah. It just yeah, it I mean from the images, it looks like it was just people were just in the street just shooting people and Yeah, like it was the wild, wild dead west. Bodies. It looked crazy. Yeah. 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 Oh, well, if you weren't there, that's good. <laughs> <laughs> so uh getting back to uh our Griselda, uh, she was living lavishly and she had homes, expensive cars, a private jet. She had it all. She hosted parties frequented by a who's who of the drug world. And I, and I read somewhere that Pablo Escobar actually, uh, came to see her there. Yes. Yes. I read that too. Among the wild things she owned was a bronze bust of herself in her home, a tea set previously owned by the Queen of England, and some jewelry previously owned by Eva Evita Peron. Don't cry for me, Argentina. Do you remember when that movie came out? Whew. Oh, yeah. With yeah. Madonna? <laughs> yep. <laughs> um, although looking, looking back, I'm kind of pissed that they had a white Italian woman play Evita. It should have been a Latinx woman. Yeah. It's always, always. Yeah, yeah. But things are getting a little bit better, but Madonna shouldn't have played that. No, no. Um, did you watch so. the uh, Cocaine Godmother, the Lifetime movie? I did not, but the, I saw it's that terrible. fucking <laughs> Catherine Zeta-Jones, a woman, a Welsh white woman, is playing yeah. a yep. Latinx woman. Stop it. Stop yeah, it. that's God. what made me think Ugh. of it. And I started to watch it, but it was terrible. Well, it's a Lifetime movie, so that should tell you everything you need to know. <laughs> <laughs> However, how okay, so most Lifetime movies are trash. But that R. Kelly doc that came out, that's a Lifetime documentary. Oh, is, it is? And oh, that, okay. Yeah, and that is really, really good. That is hmm. really well done. So. So maybe they just shouldn't have white people working on it at, at Lifetime and just have people <laughs> of color like put out dope ass content and that will help everything. Dope and uh, cut people of color yeah. and LGBTQ people will fix everything. Um, so on July 11th, 1979, several of Blanco's hitmen killed a rival drug dealer at the Crown Liquor Store in Dadeland Shopping Mall. And then the hitmen chased the liquor store employees throughout the whole goddamn mall with guns blazing. Luckily, they only wounded them. They didn't kill them. But um, it was certainly a spectacle. And the the news was there. I mean, people, yeah. everybody, everybody yeah, it was realized, yeah. oh, shit. Yeah, it was a big <laughs> <Yeah>. deal. <laughs> the hitman had arrived in an armored delivery van with happy time, complete party supply emblazoned on the side. <laughs> <laughs> hey, can I get you a phone number? My kid's birthday's coming up. <laughs> they abandoned Sorry. that van in the parking lot when they ran um chasing people <laughs> and it was discovered by the police and the police dubbed it the war wagon because its sides sides were covered by a quarter inch steel with gun ports mm -hmm. cut into them i can't believe they just left it there <laughs> i know i mean i don't know uh, the war wagon was also filled with weapons, machine guns, M1 rifles, shotguns, automatic pistols, and thousands of rounds of ammunition. It was at this point that the Miami-Dade police realized that they were what they were up against. Yeah. Uh-oh. 
Yeah. Oh, shit. <laughs> oh, boy. The dead men were Herman Jimenez Paneso, 35, a key player in one of the five Colombian narcotics rings then operating operating in the United States, and his 22-year-old bodyguard, Juan Carlos Hernandez. According to Sergeant Al Singleton of the Miami-Dade Police Department, the bodies looked like Swiss cheese. Except, you know, blood oozing out of Swiss, if Swiss blood, you know, bled, blood oozed yes, out of Swiss cheese. Exactly like yeah, that. Yeah. Then, that, then it would look like totally. exactly like that. Totes yeah. magoots. <laughs> uh, the Dadeland murders were uh, put Miami on the cover of Time magazine. Uh, they caught the attention of the DEA and it gave Miami the reputation of being like Dodge City, which I don't know anything about. You can tell me after. Although, according to Edna Buchanan, who was a crime reporter of the Miami Herald at the time, Miami was not like Dodge City because Dodge City was never so violent. What is Dodge City? Dodge City is just a it's a, a town in Kansas, I believe. And um, it was known for being really violent during the wild, wild west. Oh, that doesn't sound very interesting. <laughs> Next. <laughs> That's kind of like Tombstone, you know, that kind of, you know, when the pizza, the the laws were. I don't know anything about the no, Wild West. I don't fuck with town. it. Black people don't you care don't about know anything I don't. about that. You don't care about the Wild no. Wild West? No, I don't. <laughs> I don't, don't give, give a shit about any, the Wild if, West. Get the if, fuck out of here with your Wild if I Wild could, West. If I could find one fuck to give about the Wild West, I still wouldn't give it to you. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Sorry. moving on. <laughs> Sorry. Okay, Tombstone and Dodge City. Got it. Oh, okay, got it. Check and check. Blanco's most trusted hitman was Jorge Rivi Ayala. I'm going to give you a hip hop air horn, Beth. <laughs> I'm doing my best with my white accent. You did. You did great. You did great. No, but I, I appreciate you really trying because trying. all the other sources that I, I used in my research, none of those fuckos were trying. <laughs> so <laughs> oh, I shouldn't call them fuckos. Oh, that's not nice. Anyway, they weren't trying, but you are. So I appreciate it. None of those folks. Yeah. <laughs> folks. Yeah. <laughs> Rivi was a former car thief and a wild racist. He was. <laughs> I'll tell, we'll tell you. I know. Ayela <laughs> uh, <laughs> recounted that when Blanco ordered a hit, it meant that everyone in the vicinity was to be killed. Innocent bystanders, women, and children. Blanco did not care. She was merciless. If you did not pay on time, you and your family were eliminated. If she did not want to pay you, you were assassinated. If she perceived that you slighted her, you were murdered. So here's uh, where we get into how she pioneered things. She invented a method of assassination called motorcycle drive-by. Two men would ride on a motorcycle with the passenger carrying a sawed-off shotgun or automatic weapon... When the victim was spotted on the street, the motorcycle would veer toward him and he would be blown away by the gunman. The motorcycle would then roar off before anybody could react. And it didn't matter if there were innocent bystanders or not. They were just considered collateral damage. The hitman were then able to escape quickly on the motorcycle. It's said that she invented this method because once some hitmen were 
trying to escape in a car and they got stuck in traffic oh, no. and were therefore found and arrested. Fuck. Shit. Shit. <laughs> but motorcycles can skirt traffic. They can go in and out and they can take off. So they're better for that, for the quick getaways. I'd say that's good if you're on a motorcycle, not good if you're a motorist in a vehicle around a motorcycle like that. I get right, so right. nervous yeah. around motorcycles. Like, oh, can't you just stay in the lane? <laughs> I don't think hitmen on motorcycles give a shit about how nervous you are. <laughs> oh, yeah. They don't, I don't think they care about me. They're, you they probably give a fuck. <laughs> Backed by such violence and sharp cunning, Blanco became one of the world's wealthiest drug traffickers. According to reports, she smuggled more than three tons of cocaine into the United States annually, netting some $80 million per month. $80 million per month. Oh, my God. That's that's a little bit of cash. That's, that's, that's a little bit more money than uh, any one person needs. Uh, more money than you know what to do with <laughs> is what that is. Blanco, Blanco embraced her criminal uh, persona. And as we mentioned, she named her last son Michael Corleone after the crime boss in the Godfather series, which, by the way, I have not seen. Oh, you haven't? You can hit you can you can at me on that too. I know. Yes, I just can't get into it. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, I've never really been into mobsters and gangsters or anything. Somebody made me watch it once and it's it's good. Oh, is it? Okay. Yeah. Okay. The first one. The fir- oh, I don't know about the the rest of them. Yeah, cuz I I only watched the first one. So. Oh, okay. Well, uh, I'll just take your word for it. Okay. <laughs> uh, so Blanco's favorite hitman, Rivi Ayala, was a willing killer for Blanco, but he drew the line with children. In one case, he stopped his team from killing the young kids of a husband and wife they had just killed. The godmother had ordered a hit of the entire family, including the three young children, because the husband owed her money. Now a word from our sponsor, BetterHelp. How we care for our minds affects how we experience life. So it's important to invest time and care into keeping them healthy. There are plenty of ways to support a healthy brain, like learning a new language or taking power naps. But there's also BetterHelp Online Therapy. Now we are huge advocates for mental health here at Fruit Loops HQ. Oh yes. And we have both used therapy throughout our lives, including BetterHelp. And especially in these past several years to help us deal with challenging times, Mm -hmm. challenging thoughts, feelings and experiences. Amen. Yes. And uh, now I had a recent, you know, conversation with my therapist. She was saying sometimes it's just good to talk and get some perspective. You don't yeah. have to go to a therapist just because stuff is wrong. So Right, right. And BetterHelp is online therapy that offers video, phone, and even live chat only therapy sessions. So you don't have to see anyone on camera if you don't want to. And some people get really anxious about that. So Oh, yes. And it is much more affordable than in-person therapy. And you can be matched with a therapist in under 48 hours. Our listeners get 10% off their first month at betterhelp.com slash fruit. That's betterhelp.com slash fruit. Did you know one out of six couples struggle with infertility, including old Whitey and me? Seriously, that is a staggering statistic that most people don't know or aren't ready to talk about. We need good data and information about our bodies in order to have informed conversations with our doctors and make the best decisions for ourselves and our futures. Good data and information about our bodies is crucial when it 
it comes to our body autonomies, especially in the year of our Lord 2022. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that's why Modern Fertility was created. It's an easy and affordable way to test your fertility hormones at home with a simple finger prick. Mail it in with a prepaid label and you'll get your personalized results within 10 days. Traditional testing can cost over $1,000, but Modern Fertility gets you the same info at a fraction of the price. And if you go to modernfertility.com fruit, you can get $20 off your test. Also, and this is really cool, mm. if you have an HSA or an FSA, you can put those dollars towards Modern Fertility. Wow, that's amazing. Yeah. Now, if you want kids today or in the future, never or are undecided, it's important to have clinically sound information about your body, which can help you make the decision that's right for you. Right now, Modern Fertility is offering our listeners $20 off the test when you go to modernfertility.com fruit. That means your test will cost $179 instead of the hundreds or thousands it could cost at a doctor's office. Get $20 off your fertility test when you go to modernfertility.com fruit. That's modernfertility.com fruit. Wow. In 1982, $100 million worth of cocaine was seized from the Miami International Airport. Whoa. This seizure, along with the rapidly rising homicide rate, was a wake-up call to the U.S. law enforcement that something needed to be done. It was like the police were like with their little six-shooters like pew, pew, pew. And then Griselda and her goons <laughs> had these machine guns and they were like, brah, 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 pew, 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 versus brah, 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 brah. So they were no match. <laughs> yeah, they, they were not prepared for that. <laughs> and on October 2nd, President Reagan delivered a radio address to the nation on federal drug policy and the administration's strategy for the prevention of drug abuse and trafficking. Ten days after President Reagan's announcement, Griselda ordered a hit on Jesus Chucho Castro. Castro used to work for Griselda but was now one of her competitors. Mm. Well, I'm not going to get into a deep dive about how people of color feel about Ronnie Riggs and his attack yeah. on drugs and communities of color. And I'm poor not, a fan. not a fan. <laughs> not a fan. Not a fan. I'm just going to say that. No, but that's what happened. That yeah. is what happened. That's part <laughs> of our history. So we do got to mention it. Um, but this Chucho character also reportedly kicked Griselda's drunk ass son Osvaldo out of his house at 3 a.m., which made her very angry. So Rivi Ayala followed Castro after Castro or Chucho left his home in his car. And Ayala pulled up next to Castro Chucho and began shooting. And Chucho kicked his seat back and uh, he stepped on the gas to drive away. And um, Ayala shot his son twice in the head. Uh, his son was in the passenger seat sitting next to him. And I, I heard that he what had the, the little boy was resting his head on his dad's shoulder. And when he moved back, that's when the bullets um, got him. So kind of a sad story. Yeah. And Ayala didn't know that uh, there was a child in the car mm-hmm. or that's the story anyway, but he w- he was killed. Yeah. The baby. Yeah. And uh, Castro took his child's body home and cleaned him up. He filled a bathtub with ice, put his body in it, and then held his son's hand all night until he could decide what to do. Um, Two days later, Johnny's little body was found wrapped in a blanket with three roses and his passport on his chest to identify him Mm. in front of a church. And people might be like, why didn't Chucho Castro just go to the police? Well, Chucho was a fucking criminal. Like, if he had gone to the yeah, police, everybody would have gone yeah. down. It wouldn't. It wouldn't have. 
it wouldn't have ended well for anybody. So that was, in his mind, probably the best thing to do. So uh, according to Ayala, Blanco was extremely upset with him that Castro had survived. But he said when she heard uh, we had gotten the son by accident, she said she was glad that they were even now. Um, so uh, Chucho kicked her son out and of his house and she killed his little baby son. So now they're even. Yeah. Um, according, now they're even. Yeah. I don't know if that adds up math wise, but mm. you know, what do I know? Uh, according to Ayala, she liked to be at war every day. She'd say, we've got to get that so-and-so and we've got to get this so-and-so. And, um, it seemed like something she enjoyed. She was rumored to have people killed for the most ridiculous reasons, <laughs> like uh, because they made fun of her son's butt, <laughs> uh, because someone wouldn't let their daughter date one of her sons, because someone wouldn't let one of her sons stay at their house. Um, and she was rumored to have shot a pregnant woman in the belly, fearing that the baby in the womb might be a competitor. And she sliced a man's throat after having sex with him. Uh, yeah, I, I guess uh, she um, had been on a cocaine binge and uh, became very paranoid. So she had sex with this dude and was like, I don't want him to rob me. So when he falls asleep, so she just killed him. I'm gonna get him. Yeah. <laughs> so she did it. So um, this obviously can't continue for much longer. Uh, <laughs> then in late 1983, Blanco's third husband was in the firing line. Blanco and Sepulveda were in the middle of a divorce when Sepulveda kidnapped their son. What? Michael Corleone, who she adored. Um, and he, he took the little boy to Colombia. Blanco allegedly had hitmen dressed as policemen gun him, gun him down while her horrified five-year-old son watched. Um, yeah, it's terrible. That is very terrible. So she she got her son back, uh, but the assassination of Sepulveda initiated a war with his brother Paco. For Blanco, it was just a problem to solve. But some of Blanco's former supporters took Paco's side, including an important supplier. That is not good for Miss Blanco. Mm-mm. Despite the burgeoning number of thugs wanting to kill her, she escalated the violence even further when she had uh, drug supplier Marta Ochoa killed. Um, Blanco did not want to pay the $1.8 million that she owed her new supplier. And in early 1984, Ochoa's body was found dumped in a canal. And I had to kind of look up Ochoa. She's she's part of the Medellin cartel, um, but a different wing of it. Yeah, the Ochoas uh, yes. were pretty important. Yes. Yeah, there you go. In the cartel, and um, it's crazy that she she killed her because well, not only because she killed her because she owed her money. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't want to pay you, so I'm just going to kill you. <laughs> yeah, I'm just going to kill you. Uh, but also, she's uh, related to the bigwigs in the cartel. It's just nuts. Yeah, yeah, super nuts. So, luckily for Blanco, Ochoa's father did not pursue Blanco. Instead, he pleaded for the killing to stop. And this was from a man whose family had founded the Medellin cartel with uh, Pablo Escobar. Nevertheless, Blanco became the focus of not only her enemies, but also the DEA. She's catching too much smoke. Mm-hmm. 
ready for your starring role in a thrilling adventure full of hidden clues, immersive scenes, danger, and romance. That's right. It's June's Journey, and you play June Parker, an amateur detective investigating a series of mysteries. Ooh, you'll put your powers of observation to the test. Sharpen your sleuthing skills, find objects, and claim rewards. The visuals are fire. It's like a party for your eyeballs. (laughs) As you play this thrilling adventure full of hidden clues, immersive scenes with danger and romance in full force. Whether you're craving a good mystery or just need to get away for a while, June's Journey is the perfect game for you. It really is a sweet escape. I like to play when I need a mental pick-me-up. There is a detective in all of us. Find your inner detective. Download June's Journey free today on the Apple App Store or Google Play. Now we're going to get into the investigation, arrest, and trial. So, in early 1984, the, the heat got to be too much for Blanco, and she moved to California. There she laid low, avoiding both Bravo's family and the DEA. But the DEA moved in on Blanco, and she was arrested in February of 1985 at the age of 42. While in prison in California, she struck up a relationship with small-time black cocaine dealer Charles Cosby. Hey, hey, hey. Uh, He visited her. (laughs) That was too easy. He visited her about once a week in prison, and they would, like, have sex in this multi-purpose room in the in the visitor center at the prison um blanco would pay off the prison guards fifteen hundred dollars every time he visited her so they would look the other way and they could talk and and have sex and whatever and uh but cosby uh being the young handsome and eventually rich man that um blanco made him eventually started seeing someone else and blanco found out about this and she tried to have him killed from prison Not surprising. Nope. Nope. (laughs) Yeah. Blanco was taken to New York to face the 1975 drug charges. Found guilty in 1985, she received the maximum sentence of 15 years in prison, though she reportedly continued to run her empire while incarcerated. Um, So, okay. So at some point, officials looked to press additional charges against Blanco, who was implicated in more than 200 murders. In 1994, after Ravi Ayala agreed to testify against her, Blanco was charged with three murders, including the fatal shooting of of the two-year-old Johnny Castro, who was killed during a failed attempt to kill his father. Blanco was transported back to Miami on three murder charges. In a strange turn of events, however, the case was thrown out. The star witness in the case, the former hitman, Jorge Riviayala, Ayala, (laughs) had become romantically involved with a secretary in the Florida State Attorney's Office. And they were having phone sex. Oh, God. From prison? (laughs) Uh, Yeah, from prison. Oh, God. And uh, Charles Cosby, uh, the man that uh, Griselda had the relationship with in prison, uh, alleges that he also had sex with the same secretary when he was in Miami for a deposition. Oh. I don't know if I believe that. Okay. Because, I, I don't know, there was something about uh, our Charles 
who uh, <laughs> made me think he liked to embellish his life a little bit. But uh, I got that impression, too. It's possible. It's certainly yeah. possible. I mean, he was a young man. And the way he described <laughs> the way they they did an animation for this scene in that cow- yeah, the- I Cowboys. And it's I was like, like cartoon are you fucking <laughs> kidding me right now? <laughs> <laughs> do we really need this? We, is this necessary? Oh my god! It was it was so extra. Yeah, there's some cartoon porn in there. If you guys want to watch that, it's a uh, Cocaine Cowboys Two Electric Boogaloo. Y- yes, there there's that. So co- that's what Cosby says, and that's <laughs> what uh, the documentary conveyed. And they did so in a very. Uh, in a very pornographic way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Look, and we're not here to kink shame. Mm-mm, I love no. porn just as much as the next gal. And by the way, did you know that porn numbers, uh, porn downloads are increasing now that the government shutdown is um, in full effect? Oh, yeah. P- people have, bored, people you know. have a little bit of extra time. And uh, so the, <laughs> the streams are just... Through the roof on the, <laughs> on the boards. <laughs> so anyway, uh, back to the story. This caused uh, prosecutors to worry about the credibility of Ayala's testimony on the stand. So some speculated that Ayala botched the case on purpose, fearing that he could be killed by members of Blanco's cartel if he testified. And in 1998, Blanco ultimately pled guilty in exchange for a reduced sentence. And six six years later, she was released and deported to Colombia. So where are they now? Well, as Wendy said, Blanco was deported to Colombia and she returned to Medellin in June of 2004. She reportedly retired from a life of crime, but in 2012, at the age of 69, she was killed, get this, in a motorcycle drive-by, the method of execution that she had invented. She was leaving a butcher shop with over $150 worth of meat and her Bible. I mean, the irony of it all, right? (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Her her three older sons, Dixon, Uber, and Osvaldo Trujillo are all deceased, murdered in one way or another by the cartel. Michael Corleone Sepulveda, who goes by Michael Corleone Blanco, was raised by his maternal grandmother and legal guardians while his mom was in jail and is alive and well. He was interviewed for an investigative discovery show called Evil Lives Here in the episode The Last Blanco. He is also starring in a new TV show on VH1 called Cartel Crew about the children of the cartel who are all grown up and trying to make it in Miami without following in their parents' footsteps. Although Um, I heard he was on house arrest for drug charges in 2012. Have you heard about this, uh, any of these programs? Have you watched any of them, the Cartel Crew? or evil eyes i watched evil lives here i watched that episode the last blanco it was really good um i haven't watched cartel crew it's it's brand new it's like just out this year i looked that up but i haven't watched it well i'm gonna be watching some cartel crew that's for sure that looks really good (laughs) (laughs) i love reality tv it's my favorite i just I just hook my and, and it's crime. Yeah, and, yeah. <laughs> it's like uh, it's like my fix. 
give me some reality TV in it. Yeah, yeah. Put it in my veins. Um, so <laughs> <laughs> now we're going to get into what we we think made uh, Griselda Blanco snap. So what do you have for us today, Beth? Well, she grew up in poverty in a war-torn country where she saw a lot of violence. And it seems that she was taught to do whatever she needed to do to survive and thrive. Mm-hmm. And the investigative discovery show that uh, I was talking about er- earlier, Evil Lives Here, Michael Corleone described his mother as being able to flip from warm and loving to murderous in like a second. (laughs) I don't think she had very good control over her emotions and she was very easily angered. I mean, she, she had a pretty uh, horrible early life. So Mm -hmm. (laughs) I I don't, uh, yeah, I think she was pretty fucked up. (laughs) (laughs) Agreed. I think she also cared a lot about her reputation. She wanted to be known as ruthless. And as a female drug lord, she would have to be ruthless and feared or she would not survive. True. And she had to, what's that quote about uh, (laughs) uh, Ginger Rogers having to do everything that Fred Astaire does, only backwards in high heels, you know? (laughs) Oh, yeah. Yes. Yeah. So I I think she had to be even more ruthless Mm -hmm. than a male um, Mm -hmm. to to get her point across that she was not going to take any shit from anybody. Yes. And um, quoting the Miami New Times, La Madrina broke the glass ceiling in her male dominated underworld of the Colombian cartels by ruthlessly killing anyone who crossed her. So, yeah. Yeah. I have to agree with all of that. I I, I wanted to, uh, this just popped into my head. Griselda Blanco is all of us women who are out here, mm-hmm. white male dominated worlds, trying to survive um, and keep it together. And, and um, some people call women um, who are assertive, who um, are trying to get things done, you know, bitches or bossy. But we don't have any choice. <laughs> we're trying. We're trying to. We have to do twice as much to make it half as far as any straight white male dude. So um, mm-hmm. we're all a little ruthless. Um, and so I think that's yeah. probably why the story is so compelling. Um, is because a lot of people can maybe in some weird way see themselves in Griselda Blanco, and also somewhat admire. Uh, how badass she was yeah oh yeah oh yeah a hundred a hundred a hundred percent um (laughs) (laughs) i also just she was raised and abused by an alcoholic mother and she griselda herself abused drugs as well so maybe there's this element of addiction in the family and um it the the her drug use contributed to her paranoia and her erratic behavior and and her ruthlessness let's let's just be honest so yeah yeah. That's uh, what I think made her snap is the drugs and the background. The drugs. <laughs> the drugs. Doing drugs. My baby out here doing drugs. Um, so now we're going to get into our takeaways, what we thought about the story, what we came away with. So I kind of gave you a little bit of taste of what I thought. But I've said in the past, um, there is not one country in Latin America without black people. But I didn't realize how Griselda and members of her organization did not like black people. Um, Rivi uh, flat out said he didn't like black people in the 80s and he do not like them now. <laughs> I, I had to rewind that part like <laughs> This dude said that on camera? 
Uh, <laughs> yeah, but but keep in mind, Wendy, he's a hitman. Okay, <laughs> he's not okay, not the best guy, not the on most the outstanding citizen. Okay, okay, fair no. enough. <laughs> Looking at him, you would never know. He doesn't look like a thug, and I think that's part of why when he said that about how he doesn't like black people was so startling. You noticed it too? Were you startled by it too? Yeah. Okay. Okay. I just wasn't sure if I was the only one watching it thinking like, huh? Wait, I, I, I was, it was very like my equilibrium was off. I had to keep reminding myself that he's a hitman because Uh he does not, he doesn't look like a thug. Mm-hmm. He's got kind of a boyish charm. He's got mm-hmm. a baby face. Mm-hmm. You know, he's, he's he very, just he's does very not handsome. look like. I'll, 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 I'll tell you that. Very handsome. Yeah. Very handsome. Yeah. And I, I don't, I'm not surprised that he got some secretary in the attorney's office to uh, have phone sex with him. He's very <laughs> handsome. Yeah. Very charming. Yeah. And you have to keep reminding yourself that this is a shitty dude. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, and I, I guess you forget you, you forget that looking and listening to him that he, he's killed all these people and he's you know walked away and and been able to sleep at night. Like so, yes, he's he's not a good person, but yeah. um, not a good person. I will, but that be- coming out of his mouth was it was shocking. Yeah, yeah, it was shocking. But I also got to say. That comes out of a lot of people's mouth who are not hitmen, who are not who are not as evil yeah, as he that's is. true. Uh, which that's true. That's is true. also scary. So today's episode is brought to you by Best Fiends. It was a night like any other. We just finished a live show of the podcast at Madison Square Garden. It was nice <laughs> to see Megan and Harry. You know, so nice of them to come. And then we told the pilot, "Hey, gas up the PJ. We out of here." <laughs> Wait, gas up the PJ? Megan and Harry? <laughs> Just go with it, okay? Okay, okay. So, Wendy, we gassed up the PJ, and then what? Well, <laughs> while we were on the PJ, that's private jet for regular folks. I was wondering. We, we were up in the clouds, scoring some quality time with Best Fiends. It was incredible. And the good news is, I'm on level 393. Right on. <laughs> yes, it sounds incredible. But if mm-hmm. your head's in the clouds like Wendy, in an imaginary <laughs> private jet with Megan and Harry, or your feet are firmly planted on the ground at work or in line at the grocery store. One thing is true. Best Fiends is just plain fun. Mm, it is true. Now, Best Fiends is a free-to-download mobile puzzle game with thousands of exciting levels for new adventures and challenges every time you play. There are dozens of unique fiends to collect, so you can customize your team of fiends to defeat the menacing slugs. I'm sorry, I was just looking at this funny text from Harry. Anyway, power up your favorite fiends to new levels for even more powerful skills and watch them transform as they get stronger. With offline play, Wendy's favorite, you'll mm-hmm. never be stranded without fun, even if you lose your internet connection download your favorite getaway best fiends for free today on the app store or google play you'll even get five dollars worth of in-game rewards when you reach level five that's friends without the r best fiends did you know one out of six couples struggle with infertility, including old Whitey and me? Seriously, that is a staggering statistic yeah. that most people don't know or aren't ready to talk about. We need good data and information about our bodies in order to have informed conversations with our doctors and make the best decisions for ourselves and our futures. Good data and information about our bodies is crucial when it comes to our body autonomies, especially in the year of our Lord 2022. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that's why Modern Fertility was created. It's an easy and affordable 
affordable way to test your fertility hormones at home with a simple finger prick. Mail it in with a prepaid label and you'll get your personalized results within 10 days. Traditional testing can cost over $1,000, but Modern Fertility gets you the same info at a fraction of the price. And if you go to modernfertility.com fruit, you can get $20 off your test. Also, and this is really cool, mm. if you have an HSA or an FSA, you can put those dollars towards Modern Fertility. Wow, that's amazing. Yeah. Now, if you want kids today or in the future, never or are undecided, it's important to have clinically sound information about your body, which can help you make the decision that's right for you. Right now, Modern Fertility is offering our listeners $20 off the test when you go to modernfertility.com fruit. That means your test will cost $179 instead of the hundreds or thousands it could cost at a doctor's office. Get $20 off your fertility test when you go to modernfertility.com fruit. That's modernfertility.com fruit. But uh, Griselda yeah. was criticized by people in her organization for fucking with a black eye and for doing business with black people. Because um, I think one of her goals was to also tap into the black market. That's why she connected with the Cosby guy. Oh, um, okay. I, I wondered about that because there was such a big age difference between them and, and mm -hmm. they were an odd couple for sure. Oh, yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. But um, I guess uh, Cosby was using the coke that she gave him but he was he was altering it and turning it into crack so it wasn't like he was right, selling right. um selling powder black people don't really black at the time didn't really buy it because it, it was not affordable to them but he he was able to take her product and expand her business and con uh, convert it into a product that was marketable and consumable by uh by black people so um, that makes sense because um, I wondered what what her, the draw was for her. I knew what the draw was for him, you know. Yeah, yeah. Um, and she 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 was not the kind of woman who uh, would get together with some guy because of love. <laughs> no, I don't think so either. I also, oh my god, I feel really bad for saying this, but she wasn't like she didn't strike me as like this beautiful, attractive woman like maybe there was some allure to her yeah. yeah she didn't seem like a seductress she seemed very um her, her she had an, her eyes on the prize and if that meant trying to right. seduce you in any sort of way to get to that prize like she didn't really care about what was in the way she just really right right but then she also got really mad when dudes cheated on her i don't know so yeah well it's disrespect yes that is true yes you're right i'm yeah. glad we had this talk Welcome to <laughs> So anyway, I just I was surprised by the racism, but if you think about it, if it, I mean, it, it, she's making money moves and money money mm -hmm. is green. That's the only color that matters. Money is green and coke is white. Yeah. <laughs> and that's all that matters. <laughs> so, I, I, I was I was really surprised. I personally I feel like a fool because I had never heard of her before. Um, but there's so much information and content about her, even rap songs. And I just was mm -hmm. in the dark. So I'm glad we talked about the story, but I, I, I feel bad for our listeners who are like, I need something new that I never heard about, but, um, I had never heard of her. <laughs> so, uh, you might, you might get a different take hearing it on, on Fruit Loops. Also, I think her story is so sexy with the drugs and the money and the fact that she's a woman and the setting Miami and Colombia and the rumors about her are fucking insane. Oh, and there's a lot of murder. Lastly, mm -hmm, um, one mm -hmm. thing I mentioned in, uh, 
it, it uh, is uh, some of the stories about Griselda are uh, that she it was openly bisexual, which I think is pretty fucking dope. If you're a drug boss, you get to fucks with everybody. Um, so she would mm-hmm. throw these wild ass orgies. And um, this part is kind of scary, but she would force men and women to have sex with her at gunpoint. No big deal. So anyway. Yeah, when, that's not that's not so sexy. That's not super sexy, but uh, very rapey. But uh, it, 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 we didn't really dive into it. But I, I think it's something that uh, was interesting. Yeah, it is interesting. Um, I don't know how true it is. Oh, no. Now I'm bummed out. Well, it could be true. The, the only reason that I say it might not be true is because it wasn't really widely reported on. So... And I did hear um, one source convey that um, the police might have just reported that to make her look bad. So, I yeah, that's and that's yeah. that's possible, too. Yeah, it's possible. Yeah, I was actually thinking about that um, as well, because at the time uh, being uh, bisexual was like, awful, like a, a terrible thing. Yeah. Yeah. When actually it's super dope. So. Okay, so what did you think of the story, Beth? As amazing as it is that she was able to head her own organization and how how smart she was and and how strong she was and all that, <laughs> her ruthlessness is, is terrifying. <laughs> yeah, it is. <laughs> she did not give a fuck who got mm-hmm. killed. And I find mob and cartel stories baffling. Yeah. Uh, to be honest, I don't know how these people are able to have family lives and yet order hits on people as easily as they order pizza. I know. It takes a special kind of person, um, I guess, like a terrifying kind of person. I'm, I'm you're, like, you're absolutely I, 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 It's, it's scary. scary. And it's like <laughs> their bra- their brains must be so much more compartmentalized than ours like, because crazy. we have. A full time job and a podcast, and we're like, how are we gonna do? How are we gonna do it this week? Yeah, there's so much going on, but they're they're just like, let me order some hints, let me sell some drugs, <laughs> and they just do it, and they just. Do it. I just I I also find the the whole idea just I don't know how to say it like disgusting. Mm. Like you were saying how you've never watched The Godfather, <laughs> I'd never watched it either because I'm not really that interested in in. Uh, the mafia. Is there a reason why you're not interested? <laughs> I don't know. I've thought about it before. I'm not really sure. Those people just disgust me. And it's not, I mean, serial killers should disgust me too, but I'm fascinating. So I don't, I can't, there's no explanation. I don't well, know. I read something interesting today about why people, I was looking for how not to get murder tips and um, Huffington Post had had an article about why people like serial killer stories so much. And it's because we're afraid of the monster that's inside us. And um, it's interesting to hear about real life monsters. Um, the mob thing though, my beef with it is I never saw myself in a mob story and, and I, I don't, mm-hmm. so I don't care to watch, I don't yeah. care to watch stories where it's, I can't relate with anything on the screen. I'm not a white dude. Anybody. I don't wear yeah. suits. And, you know, I don't have straight hair that I grease back. I mean, uh, and I think that the, the pursuit of money like that is 
is not money is not a big motivator for me. I mean, I need mm-hmm. money. I would like more money, but it's I'm not going to do uh, terrible things for money. It's just not a big motivator for me. So I don't get mm-hmm. it. I'm quiet <laughs> only because you are speaking for yourself. <laughs> Yeah, I am speaking for myself. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I get what you're, I get. What, I, I just, it's, it just doesn't, it just doesn't do it for me. And, and, and part of why representation is so important in every medium, um, podcasts, TV shows, movies, is it's important. Even in school, it's important for people to be able to see themselves in some kind, form of fashion, so we know what's possible, so we can progress, so we can get better. And just mob movies, I never, saw, I never saw any black little little girl, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. or even even all the women. I just, I never. It just doesn't make any sense to me. That's not. And I never grew up on the East Coast, yeah. So I was never connected to. And I never, I never saw mobsters. I saw gangsters. Culture, yeah, I saw gangsters. Yeah. A lot of gangsters with you know tattoos on their face and riding bicycles and you know wearing <laughs> uh, Cortezes and uh, dicky you know jeans and stuff and flannels and hoodies and but I never saw I never saw the gangsters I know weren't wearing suits. That's weird. <laughs> so anyway, right, right. So I'm that was a good tangent that we went on there. Yeah. <laughs> So, if you love true crime and you don't want to die, here's a tip for you. (laughs) I got, I moved my shoulders on that one. (laughs) I I, I could tell there was something different going on. (laughs) Oh, listeners can hear too. (laughs) This segment is not intended to be victim blaming. We thought of this segment because I read somewhere that a lot of people listen to true crime because they want to know what they can do to be safer. But in my mind, this is not meant to blame the victims. It's just learning from other people's mistakes. Sometimes we have no suggestions for a particular episode and we'll just offer up generic tips. So here's what I got. This is not fire. So um, it's just more common sense. Just this is where my mind went after researching this story and doing this episode. So avoid putting yourself in danger. Maintain sobriety. Don't get too faded. Probably best to avoid the illegal drug trade. Have some goddamn sense and be cautious when you are alone. Head on a swivel, as we always say. And if you see two dudes on a motorcycle coming towards you, Get out of there. <laughs> That's really funny because I did actually think about this oh, today. Seriously? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I went grocery shopping and I, I heard a motorcycle coming as I was crossing the street to the store. <laughs> and I whipped my head around, <laughs> checked to make sure there was only one dude on that. <laughs> Who's there? <laughs> well, one dude, then you don't have to worry. Don't have to worry. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> so I wanted to add, look, we got a we got a lot of new listeners lately. We are um 
we're around 20,000 downloads. Um, so thank you people who are listening to the show and sharing it with your friends. Um, but uh, we were thinking since we've got some new listeners and old listeners, share your tips with us on how you stay not getting schmurdered. Um, <laughs> you know how to get at us. So use the hashtag how not to get schmurdered or how hashtag how not to get murdered. And um, either one. <laughs> share, yeah, either one. I thought they were both fun. Share them with us and uh, we'll put them on the show. So uh, now we're going to get into some serial killer and crime news. Take it away, Beth. So a 14-year-old boy was killed by a Tempe police officer last week. Tempe police officer, I'm going to say John. Sounds right. Responded to a report of a suspicious car, possibly used in a burglary, parked in an alleyway in a residential area north of Baseline Road and east of 48th Street. Mm-hmm. Uh, the moments leading up to the shooting were captured on Officer Jean's body camera, which was worn on his chest. Officials declined to provide the officer's first name, citing safety concerns. However, the police department did release his photograph. And did you see it? I didn't see photograph. I just saw the picture of the boy. He is a person of color. <gasps> oh, no. So... Okay. Yeah. Complicated things. Yeah. So in the the video in the the vid, the body cam, uh, Jean steps out of his patrol car and walks to a large trash can. He stands behind it as someone who family members have identified as the boy uh, Antonio Arce can be seen moving inside a gray pickup truck parked in the alley. The officer points his gun as Arce steps out of the truck. He calls out hey to the boy before speaking into his radio. Arce then runs down the alley away from Jean as the officer demands to see his hands. Arce does not appear to turn around before Jean fires at him twice, striking him once near the shoulder blades. And as he chases him down the alley, the other bullet strikes a wall. He's got a handgun, John says, into the radio. He's got a handgun. Police later determined he was carrying an airsoft gun. Fuck. Photos provided by the department showed the gun still had the orange tip used to indicate that the weapon wasn't lethal. Jean has been placed on administrative leave during the ongoing investigation. Well. And um, I, I do not understand why he shot this kid Mm-mm. as he's running away. May, I, I don't know if that's standard. Well, but I think, uh, he was, he was running away. He was running away his back. He wasn't, he wasn't threatening the officer in any way. Um, no, I, I think so. This might be a controversial take, which I understand. Uh, they, so b- black, and brown lives matter, right? That's the movement. Is a uh, we it, once black and brown lives matter, then then it will be true and fact that in America all, all lives, lives matter. matter yeah. But until then, they don't. Right. And um, the blue, blue, the blue, the police. That color um, supersedes whatever color the officer might be. So even though this officer was a person of color, he was still wearing blue. Mm -hmm. And um, I don't, I don't know any police officers, but just in, in um, my conversations 
with people of color and listening to podcasts about people of color and policing. And um, my understanding is that they seem to somehow forget that they are people of color when they have that uniform on and are in these situations. Um, hmm. I don't know what that means or how, how we can fix that or change that. But the blue was the predominant color at the time, not the co- the other color that this gentleman was. So when he saw this um, young brown kid, um, all of his <laughs> agencies and memories and histories uh, were were had had left his had left his mind. Um, when you're black or brown, police shoot first and ask questions later. Another thing we do in America is the adultization of our youth. I just heard this recently on um, what's that broad's name? Uh, Jada Pinkin Smith and her um video show that she has with her daughter and her mom on Facebook. It is really really good. It's enlightening. It's the best conversations, uh, the kind of conversations you have at your kitchen table. That's why it's called Red Table Doc. Anyway, um, the she had a psychologist on there who was talking about the adultization of our youth. That's when black and brown kids um, are viewed as less innocent and more able to take care of themselves and responsible for the bad things that happen to them. For black girls, that starts at age five. For black boys, it starts at age 10. That's why encounters That's insane. It is insane. So basically my daughter who's four has one more year before people start looking at her as an, an adult. Christ. That's why encounters with the police end the way that they do because 14 year old black and brown boys are not seen as boys. That's a man who deserves whatever he's got coming to him. And it's very sad. We're, we're not going to solve it or, or, or be able to get into detail about it on this episode. Um, but I'm really glad that you shared this story with us, Beth, and I'm really grateful. So thank you. You're welcome. And something else I wanted to mention, um, they, they would not share the officer's first name, mm-hmm. but they shared his picture. And I can't help but think that the reason why they shared his picture was because he is a person of color. Absolutely. So to, as a way to try to cover the cover for themselves or make it, to make it seem like, yeah. Hey, Hey, police don't hate. Hey, black it's okay. Yeah. It's a black guy did. Or yeah. Guy. Cause it was, I thought it was a really weird move. Oh yeah. Like you're not going to release his first name, but here's his picture. <laughs> Here's what he looks like. Go find him, you oh, know. Oh man. Jesus Christ. No, I'm, they they really should be ashamed <laughs> yeah. of themselves. That's that was that was a wrong yeah. move. Clearly there's not um enough uh people of color or marginalized people at the top to know that that was a terrible move. So um they yeah. they yeah. hopefully they 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 will get, you know, they hopefully they'll get smart and hopefully justice will be served. So bad fucked for, up story all the way around. Yeah, yeah, but it, um, it's a necessary one to share. So thank you. So um, now we are going to get into our shout outs. This is the portion of our show. Let me wipe away my tears because that story sucked bad. Oh, sorry. <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> shout out to any content by people of color or, uh, or any marginalized groups, really, or any true crime goodies. Basically, anybody who's not a straight white dude will get a shout out. So I wanted to <laughs> <laughs> shout out two um, LGBTQ podcasts. One is Unerased, which is about the history of gay conversion therapy in America. <sighs> If you haven't listened, please do go. It is very well done. I don't know if many people realize how damaging 
um, this convergent therapy is, it will, the podcast will move you, it will infuriate you, and it will inspire you. Um, the other podcast I wanted to recommend is Nancy, which is a really fun podcast. The hosts are super queer, Kathy Tu, a woman of color who, she's got immigrant parents, and Tobin Lowe, who's an LGBTQ dude. They are so fun and so funny, and they share the most provocative um, stories and have frank conversations about the LGBTQ experience today in America. So check those out. Cool. Nancy and Unerased. Unerased. Yeah. Cool. Mm-hmm. All right. So I just wanted to shout out Cocaine Cowboys Reloaded. Um, I watched this while prepping for this episode. So it's about the Cocaine Cowboy wa- Wars and Griselda Blanco. Mm-hmm. Um, the original movie is called Cocaine Cowboys. <laughs> <laughs> and uh it was very poorly made <laughs> when i first started watching cocaine cowboys um the like the first couple of minutes i was like oh my god i don't know if i can watch <laughs> oh no what did i sign thing. up for yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it got better after that but uh they redid it and so cocaine cowboys reloaded is the better version and they have more information in it oh good um, to know yeah so i would uh, recommend watching that one rather than uh just cocaine cowboys okay um and it's i think it's on tubi okay tubi tv okay anyway it's 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 not great cinema <laughs> um and they <laughs> have to warn you um and they interview some shady, awful people, mm-hmm. as we were talking about earlier. Um, and there are quite a few racist remarks made and oh and boy. probably some covert racism. Oh, boy. Uh, but the information about the cocaine cowboy wars and Griselda Blanco is absolutely fascinating. Um, this story that we put together for you today really only scratches the surface. There's a lot You're more. Absolutely right. so, There's so much yeah. more. I mean, we could, we could probably do like a four yeah. part series about this. Griselda oh, we Blanco could, definitely. And, uh, we and are not doing that. Things that we're, <laughs> Sorry. No, we're not. We're, we're moving on. Yes. Moving on. <laughs> Next. So, um, <laughs> thank you for listening and rocking with us. Thank you, Beth, for that recommendation, Cocaine Cowboys. Um, where can the people find us? Our website is fruitloopspod.com. Our Facebook page is Fruit Loops Pod. And our discussion group is Fruit Loops Pod Discussion on Facebook. We are also on Twitter and Instagram uh, at Fruit Loops Pod. And links to our sources will be in our footnotes. If you want to support the show, you can send us a donation on the Cash app, which you can download to your phone, or you can find us online at cash.me forward slash dollar sign Fruit Loops Pod, or you can become a monthly patron through our Podbean patron page. This will help us pay for things like our website and pod hosting. There's no minimum and no commitment. Even a dollar would help. That's right. This is a weekly podcast and new episodes drop every Thursday. So until next time, look alive, guys. It's crazy out there.
guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. 3 a.m. The comedy horror podcast that holds weekly gatherings around the campfire. Let me tell you what you're going to get. You're going to hear stories about demonic possessions, prison stabbings, skinwalkers, glitches in the matrix, cult leaders, missing 411, night marchers, Operation Paperclip, Mesopotamian devil worship and so many monsters it'll give Kanye West a runaway for his money. Pop and meme culture also aren't off topic. A camp where laughs and scares are constantly competing for first place. We're just a group of friends trying to bust each other's balls, find the best stories, and expand the circle in the process. 3am, the comedy horror podcast not for the faint or fragile of heart. Let's go. Let's go. 